Hi, and thanks for tuning in to the Path 11 Podcast. I am your host, April Hanna. At the Path 11 Podcast, we are here trying to deliver leading-edge research on consciousness, healing, and metaphysics. And just like you, we are trying to answer the big questions about life. Who are we? Why are we here? And what is our purpose? We hope by listening to our podcast, it will make each day you live on Earth a little easier to understand. And now for today's podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's show. I have a really interesting guest that I would like to introduce you to. His name is Chris McCann, and he is a tech business and thought leader specializing in helping successful people and companies remembering who they are and align their life with their purpose. I love that. After many years of professional striving at the expense of personal development, he awakened to the need to cultivate an inner life. Chris charted a new course prioritizing professional achievement led by personal meaning by studying the world's great spiritual texts, training with prominent spiritual leaders, and developing the tools required to navigate life and find real purpose. Today, he manages several ventures that help others find their meaning and purpose, including coaching clients one-on-one, and maybe you will become one of his clients, building scale-up sales teams, providing corporate consultation on conscious leadership, which I think we all know we need more of, and facilitating retreats. So Chris McCann, welcome to the PAP 11 Podcast. Thanks for having me, April. It's a pleasure to meet you. Yeah, I'm so glad you're here. And we were kind of talking before I hit the record button. I'd just like to let all my listeners know that it's a beautiful day in upstate New York and all of my neighbors are out mowing their lawns. So you might hear like, you know, something in the background that's just lawnmowers. They should be done soon. And hopefully Mike can do his best with the sound. But <laughs> if not, I apologize. It's it's life, which Chris said, that is what we're going to talk about today. So mm. So welcome, Chris. Yeah, I was really interested to learn a little bit more about your spirituality, your awakening process, and how you bring that into your business, because it sounds like, and you're going to go into more detail, but you probably found yourself as a very successful person in business, but a workaholic. I think I had read that you had a failed marriage, a, a nice friendship with vodka, and it was just probably burning out and really needed to have your life take a turn, which I think so many of our listeners, including myself, we kind of find that pivotal moment in our life where we're like, okay, there's got to be something more to this. I need to, I need to shift. So I'd love to hear yeah going to happen. Wow. So working it backwards, you know, I I live here in Santa Monica with my second wife, with my stepson and with our rescue pit bull, and we're five blocks from the ocean. And if you had told me when I was 16, that this is what life would look like. Absolutely. Amazing. Somewhere in between now and then, you know, it almost got to a point where it wasn't cute anymore and something had to change. So thank you for your kind intro and listening to that. It's like, yes, I am just an idiot in recovery. (laughs) And and that's been very helpful, you know, in, in terms of remaining grateful for what is available for me now. And I'd had experiences when I was a kid, for sure. And I have experiences now, for sure. There was a roughly 20 year gap in the middle where that wasn't the case. You know, I met my first wife. It sounds better than ex-wife because we're great friends and, you know, having some distance between, you know, that certainly, you know, has made us all friends and family again, where I did what I thought I had to do. Right. She was my girlfriend at the time she became pregnant. It's like, okay, the one thing I know how to do is roll up my sleeves and get to work. And I did that. So, but by the time I was 22, we had the house had a motorcycle, had the boats. We lived in a golf course. I was working 70 hours a week, running multiple restaurants at the same time. I did everything I thought I was supposed to do. And I was miserable. Like, wow, 
I'm 22, 23 years old. I did everything that I was thought I was supposed to do in a bigger house than my parents. Like, really, this is it. This is all there is. What am I going to do for the next 40 or 50 years? And in a pattern of self-destructive behavior, you know, it was no fault of, you know, my first wife's. And certainly I, I own much responsibility for what happened, but I blew it up and then began repeating the same sort of behaviors and, and thinking that in focusing on relationship with other people as a serial monogamist, right? So it may have been a two day monogamous relationship, or it could have been two years, but I kept trying to get it right, doing the same thing over and over again around 37, 38, it was no longer cute. And so if I don't end this experiment, which I consciously chose when I was 16 or 17, then I'm not going to be able to get myself out of this. And I will find myself living in an apartment at best with a car that doesn't work and I'm fighting to find money to pay for diapers or formula or, you know, whatever was going on, it has to stop. And at that point, when I began to remember certain moments of when I was struck by something bigger than myself or something greater or more possibilities or potentiality. And we're going to, going to fast forward through my, the arc of my career, but right about the time I met Meredith 11 or 12 years ago was when I was like, all right, I need to get this stuff figured out. And together over the last 11 or 12 years, and she doesn't know exactly how long it's been either. So it's okay. <laughs> you know, it's, you know, we began to take care of each other and to facilitate each other's growth, but it had to start with me. And knowing that life wasn't working, it was broken. My relationship with my kids was suffering and was, you know, on the edge of not being a relationship at all. And so radical self-inquiry, what was, what's been on the menu. And I needed to learn how to search within and go inside myself as opposed to leaning on external validation or external experiences. And so there wasn't any meditation or anything else. It was just like, Chris is now or never, right? This experiment has been going on too long. And then we fast forward to a couple of companies ago that I had worked for. And I worked for this incredibly conscious leader. And, you know, when I walk into a room as a salesperson and I have a certain amount of energy that I bring in this is me in retrospect saying this at the time, I didn't have that level of self-awareness. We're going to walk in. I'm very impulsive, definitely ADHD, short attention span, but I can walk into rooms of people and move them. And I've always been able to do that. That's just an innate part of my, one of my soul qualities, if you will. But I don't know that I always use that power for good. So been able to channel that, but I had screwed up a contract with the software company that I was working for. And so Art calls me into his office and he just sits me down and he's just beat red. He's like, Chris, I love you. You lead from the heart. You come from the heart. He's like, but you're making too many mistakes. He's like, you've got to do, you have to fix this. Like, I don't know if you need to start meditating or something. And me like, sure. Like meditation sounds great. And then how do I begin to like control my thoughts and make those go away? Like my brain, like there's voices and all sorts of activity that have been going on as long as I can remember. And so I started asking around like, well, where should I learn meditation? So I tried all the, the apps or different YouTube streams and I landed on transcendental meditation. And while I don't practice that daily, it was so instrumental for me. And that you don't have to control your thoughts. You don't have to control your breathing. You can just be. And so as I began to lean into that April and I could go for 20 minutes, things started to show up. And I was like, oh, this is fascinating. And then I started to remember to put back together other experiences that I'd had from when I was, you know, a kid, like 
one or two years old to today. And so that began to open up um, a relationship with not just source or spirit or the creator or God or Hashem or whatever we want to put a name on, what is oftentimes nameless. <laughs> it's like, okay, I can cultivate this level of inner awareness. And so that was the greatest gift I've received professionally up to that point was someone just to stop me in my tracks and say, you're going to lose this if you don't fix this. I'm very grateful to him for that experience. And we're still friends. And I was actually on retreat with him a couple of weeks ago and his family. You know, from there, it opened up access to what I now know to be the Akashic Records. And my coworker at the time, we we're in Chicago, we we're having lunch and we were talking about spirituality and meditation because when you, you know how it is when you pick up a new trick or you have a realization, you want to share everybody is being away, right? Yeah. So I'm sure I was metaphysically vomiting all over anyone I could encounter. <laughs> and, and he's like, you know, he's like, Chris, he's a very like, it's not blue collar, but it's a traditional big company salesperson. And he's like, you know, I started working with this woman, Linda Howe, and she was in Chicago. She's a grandmother type. And she's taught me how to access the Akashic records. He's like, so you know, his wife and he would use it as a way to tap in, you know, with each other and themselves. But then he was also using it in a business context as it related to certain contracts and opportunities. And it's like, well, that's really fascinating. And then I remembered reading Edgar Casey when I was a kid. And it's like, okay, so this is kind of that. I get back to LA and I walk into our yoga studio that was in the neighborhood at the time. And the woman who owns the studio was like, Chris, we have this woman coming in who's going to do Akashic Records readings. And she's like, I thought of you when this is presented to me. And if we do this, would you be interested? It only took me hearing Akashic Records twice in like a week span to say, yes, sign me up. Now, I also said at the time, yes, Effie, I can do this. So however, I have to get my son to the doctor. I have to do this, this, and this. So I only have half an hour, right? Because I'm very important and I have a lot of things going on and I'm go, 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 go. She's like, that's cool. She's like, I'll talk to Helen and we'll see and we'll make sure that that's okay. Of course, it all worked out. And... I get there and there's six or seven of us sitting in a circle. It's the first time I had met Helen. And as we're sitting there, she's like, well, Chris, I understand that you have to leave early. So if it's okay with everyone, why don't we start with you? And so at the time, April, I had also hired a psychotherapist. I'd never had any form of therapy. I didn't know that was available to me, but holy moly, what a difference that would have made 20 some odd years earlier. And I wanted someone like Wendy on the show Billions who could help me, dif me deal with difficult work situations and just clean me up, put me back on the field to go produce and go make more money. As I'm sitting down there with Helen and she's like, okay, she's tapped in and she's like, well, the first thing you need to know is how excited and how proud of you they are that you're here at this moment. And as she said this, Everything around us has disappeared. And then we're in this space together. And there's that level of connection. And she's like, so why don't we open this up? And if you have any questions, like now's the time to ask. So it's great. So life is going well. Got a good marriage. My kids and I are in a good spot. You know, I'm making money. And I want to know how to take advantage of where we are today. And to just max out knowing that me being on this wave of where things are actually working well was still an uncomfortable motion for me. And I just assumed that it was all going to go away. And then see, you know, we had our session and from there I fired my psychotherapist because in my mind at the time as what's past is prologue and I didn't need to understand all of that. I just wanted to focus on what's possible. My understanding of that's different now, but at the time it was what I needed. And after like three or four sessions with Helen and I isn't doing my own meditative work. And it came to me that I should learn how to do this. So then of course I went through all the trainings, whether it's through Linda Howe or through Helen, 
And then of course I'm metaphysically vomiting all over everybody. Then like with the Akashic records of the way, like this is it. But then I met someone named Carlos Warder, Dr. Carlos Warder. This is one of his books. I'm, I don't speak Spanish, but I've been translating many of his texts over the last couple of years. It encourages me to learn in a slightly different way. And so I had actually that day, the day that I'm speaking of, I had walked into someplace in Hollywood where we were shooting videos and I did one for Helen and then I had rented a, a German sports car and I'm driving down to this retreat that Carlos was facilitating. And so I'm listening to Sturgill Simpson, the sunroof is open, I'm flying down to San Diego, I will walk in a few hours late. Like, hey, how's everybody doing? Just my normal ML. <laughs> and he looked at me and he's like, oh, he's like, oh, now we have a healer here. And he took this is a 70, he's now 75. This is maybe three or four years ago. And he just took this machete to me and, and I was splayed open. That was the first time I encountered ayahuasca. And I found myself under a tree where we were doing the ceremony and there's probably 20 other people there and this tree at the time april's this beautiful like grandmother tree i'm hanging on to the earth i'm laying there and i have my claws like dug into what's going on below me and even though i had started on a different part of the property what i kept hearing was go to the tree go to the tree it's like oh, who am i to argue i'm just going to grab my stuff and go to the tree and i laid there and the tree's like you you need to let go i don't know how to let go i'll show you it began this very somatic experience it's like first you relax your forehead and went through what it actually felt like to let go of these stories and these constructs, these myths, these memories, these remembrances, and it was from head to toe. And then, you know, walked me through an exercise of you are not Chris, the entrepreneur. And I'd get this felt experience of, oh, and it was like, you're not Chris, the father and letting go of all of these identities and all of these masks that we carry around <laughs> in powerful experience. And then at some point his wife walked by and she's like, Chris, don't forget to drink water. And I didn't remember this at the time, but later on that day, as we're doing beginning the integration process and she's like, Chris, do you remember what you told me when I came by you? And he's like, no. And she's like, well, I asked you if you needed water. And you're like, nope, the tree's telling me what to do. And she's like, and you just laid it right back down. And so that was the beginning of using medicines or entheogens to do inner work as opposed to taking acid when I was younger and getting to the front of a subway and just watching all the lights go by. It, it just eviscerated who I was attached to, who I thought I was, it began this radical self-inquiry and just beginning to clean up the things that needed to be cleaned up and being presented with opportunities to grow and evolve and remember who I am. As I'm really grateful for all those experiences. And I know I just talked for a long time, but that's in a nutshell, you know, how I went from the kid who was being abducted <laughs> by other entities to having experiences where I would see spirit when I was a kid to forgetting about that for 20 years to then being fortunate enough to have people who helped me remember and put back together who I am. Yeah, well, I mean, you bring up so many good points in there. One, I want to say, I know Linda, we had her, Linda Howe, we had her on the podcast. Super. It's like, zipping energy <laughs> you know yeah, it's just a great laugh and so so for those of you we do have a reference if you'd like to just go to the website type in linda howe's name you can meet her energy and see what she's all about with the akashic records and you know i think what you said was very important i don't know how to let go and i think a lot of people 
you know, feel that way too. It, it's interesting part of your journey. It's like, okay, I'm going to start this. And then you see that it works, right? The Akashic records and probably had a great impact on you. Okay. I want to learn this. And then here, another teacher comes along. It's like, whoa, okay, hold on. Now there's something bigger here than using plant medicine. And it kind of reminds me maybe because it's so fresh in my mind right now, but I've been reading or listening to a translation of the Tao Te Ching by Wayne Dyer. And there was a really interesting verse in there that had to do with arriving instead of striving. Mm -hmm. And as an entrepreneur, like in that moment, something really shifted for me because it was kind of like, you know, you're, you're running a business and you have to make the money and you have to make the bills. And it was just like a different way of thinking of more striving for more, striving for enough, you know, in some mm -hmm. ways. And then hearing that and hearing what it's like to no longer strive, but just to arrive and to let go of that type of energy of feeling like you need more was huge, you know, for me to hear. So I kind of hear that a little bit in your story, too, of maybe kind of being that striving entrepreneur and being really successful and, and all that, but yet sitting there saying, okay, but I'm still not happy. You know, what is this about? And then as you're moving through the spiritual process of learning what it means to just, you know, arrive and to be here. And, you know, that also talks about, too, of it's like when you slow down and you do less, more gets accomplished. Yes. Slowing down to speed up, if you will. But yeah, right. the, the attachment that we can develop and then the choking it and wanting to hang on to it. When we begin to explore impermanence and perhaps a truer nature of reality from a quantum physics perspective, and that it is all frequency, energy, and vibration, you can't hold on to that in that sense. Right. right? And I, I notice myself, you know, like catching on to things or like there's a certain belief system or a certain framework or a construct. And I, I have above my desk says all thoughts are open for subversion, right? Or all beliefs are open for subversion. And when something works, not being so fascinated by it, or not being so fascinated by these different intelligences or information that come in from these different channels, whether in ordinary or not ordinary states of consciousness, it's like, hmm, okay, what's actually meant for me? And that's not something that I was necessarily doing with the Akashic records early on because the way that certain people receive where they hear clear voices, right? Or they write, that's not necessarily how it showed up for me. And so I would compare myself to experiences that others were having. It's like, I just want to hear like Helen hears. And yet that's not what was meant for me. Right. And being able to discern between bits of information that are coming in and what's actually aligned for our highest good has been my work over the last couple of years and being able to really feel and well, it's being able to breathe first and foremost, and without that sounding like a platitude, but that for me helps center more so now than it ever did in the past. And then listening, like what's really going on here? And listening is more than an auditory experience. And when I began to understand that it's beyond what comes into the ears and it's that felt sense, and then where do I notice in my own etheric body or my physical body where things are true for me and listening to that and discerning, not taking everything as gospel where it's like, okay, I have to go do this or I have to go be a certain way, or I have to go put this post on Instagram and I'm just trying to channel something that's going to be profound. And what I then have learned beyond the breathe, listen aspect was, and then speak. And for someone who, I don't want to say suffers from ADHD because it was undiagnosed for so long, but someone who has ADHD, the fear is that when something comes in, if you don't articulate it, you're going to lose it. And articulating could be writing or like spouting off or doing a live stream or something. Like, no, I don't always have to share what comes in. Like, this is me recovering what is sacred. And so that I stopped all of that and I really focused on being able to discern between information 
and intelligence and understanding that different things that do come in perhaps have different agendas, right? And they're not always for our highest good. It's a perspective. Been an interesting journey. Yeah. So when you're working with people and, Mm -hmm. you know, helping entrepreneurs to really kind of align with who they are and their true purpose, Mm -hmm. how do you begin, you know, to kind of start that journey to focus people a little bit more? I would think that that's probably part of what you're also trying to do is to give people some focus, helping them find that alignment that, you know, this word I think is being overused recently, but like the authenticity, right? Everybody says, I want to be authentic, authentic. It's like the buzzword lately, you know, but how do you begin to help people to really get that focus and find that alignment? Where's life not working for you? Right. Where are you getting resistance? Where do you feel as if it's not aligned? I had it's, it's part of going from my two pack a day smoking 50, 60 pound overweight, Chris, to one that was investing in my body. I had hired a, a personal trainer. This is 15 years ago or so. And that, well, I was thinking about the story, but when we began our work together, April, and, you know, I just quit smoking and I was getting up at four o'clock in the morning to go do this workout on the way to work. And we were doing a lot of bench pressing. And a few weeks later, he said, Chris, he's like, you were walking out of the gym the other day. And some of the folks like his peers or his personal training peers were like, you know, the, the transformation from a physical perspective was profound just over a few weeks. And he's like, and that's why I like to work on chest exercises, because I know that if you see results there, that you're going to buy into the program that I've developed for you. And so it's really important and I'm leaving plant medicine out of this, this particular part of the conversation where if someone reaches out to me on zoom or someone isn't open to, or on like LinkedIn or Slack or zoom or whatever, and someone isn't open to using entheogens as part of their own self-discovery, we need to identify you know, one thing, what's that one metaphysical muscle memory that we can exercise where you're going to experience results and that life is working a little bit better for you. And a lot of it is open-ended questions, but I want to get a sense and I'll, I'll go in, you know, when I begin these conversations so that whatever I'm receiving is, you know, a, a little bit out of the Chris mode and a little more in spirit mode, if you will. And typically what comes through is there'll be one proof point conversationally. It's like, oh, okay, here's your uncle Bob and he's sitting over here and he has something to share with you, which then I'm grateful for those experiences when they do show up because that then at least gives you credibility that, oh, this person is capable of receiving information in a certain way. And I don't like the whole stump the psychic approach, but then we'll go in and it's like, I just want to get a sense of what your life experience is and why we're together. If there is one thing that we could take a look at, focus on where you're getting resistance or you notice a pattern that's repeating itself over and over and over again, and you want more context and understanding, what would that be? Sometimes it's, I find myself in the same sorts of relationships over and over again. Sometimes they're starting a business and yet they can't seem to monetize it. And so then we're talking about attachment. It's, I'd say it's different, but it's usually the same stuff for everyone. And it's, it's really interesting how across the human experience, no matter what the socioeconomic status is, no matter what the religious upbringing may be or the current belief system or sexuality, et cetera, and that there's the same sort of baseline and that people just want to understand that there is some meaning behind this. So there is some level of, I'm going to use the P word, but some purpose right? What else is really available to me here? And to help provide context and to help illuminate 
right? And, and working together with folks and being able to bring some light into situations that perhaps they weren't able to identify consciously and we'll go in and we'll meditate together. And oftentimes when this happens, April, it's really beautiful where we'll, we'll just go in together and we'll start to see some of the same things and I can have this experience with someone and they can have it with me where we can identify together what's showing up. I'm really grateful for being able to, to do that from time to time, because as we're in the space together, I want for you to find your own answers. I am not anyone's healer or guru or like, I don't want any attachment to any of that where I find the most powerful experiences, not just for myself, but for the people or the organizations that I'm working with is when they find their own answers and I'm supporting and helping because when we find our own answers, as opposed to having to pick up the phone and call, pick your local psycho psychic medium, then you're invested. Then you realize that you have the ability to heal yourself and to make yourself a little bit more whole. And that's how I like to operate with people is we have all sorts of tools that are available to us. Anything from the Akashic records through LSD, right? What feels right now and having the ability to guide people to begin to have that own experience where they own it and they understand that they can trust themselves maybe for the first time ever. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's beautiful when that happens. And do you find it all say like when you're working with people that, you know, one person, it could be this cycle of relationships. The other person, the example that you gave was like monetizing the business. Mm -hmm. Another person, I don't know, could be weight or, or any of those, but do you find that as you're doing this work, it's not, everyone thinks that they have like this certain issue that they have to get past, but is it really collectively when it gets to the core, just really a disconnect from us remembering that we are a part of the creator and the source and that it just might be manifesting in me for this and manifesting in that person over there for the money and that person over there for relationships. Do you think it comes down just to a single, to one single thing? <laughs> Boy, that's a complicated question. And from a felt experience perspective, yes, it's been my experience that when we lose that connection to source in whatever form it is, that that creates dissension and tension and anxiety, trauma. It's hard to sit here and say that when you connect a source, you all of a sudden are magically fixed and everything makes sense. Right. Because when you're capable of more, the universe gives you more, right? And more things to work on. And, you know, there's never, ever any sense of arriving and letting go of that and like, Enlightenment, if you will, is messy, right? It's hard. And we're not as humans designed to always be happy, right? And for things to always make sense. And only when we're able to understand and experience, so it's beyond for me, at least, like I have to ha have to have this like sort of felt experience to really capital K know something that it's a deconstruction of the fables, then, okay, maybe I'm a little bit lighter today than I was yesterday. And that from a material sense, I can touch this table, but this table is this frequency, energy, and vibration that's there because this is the experience that I chose. And if in fact I did choose this experience, what's available for me here to learn, right? Why? Why out of all the multiverses that exist out there, did I choose this one? 
And in my own journey, April, and I've become less and less fascinated with the external experiences or wanting to peek through that particular portal or dimension and trusting that this is the one, this is the moment that I chose now. What's to be learned here? What's to be shared here? And my own life experience has become so much richer and so much more profound as I've began to let go of these constructs and sit in the space of potentiality, possibilities, probabilities. That's, you know, what David Bohm you know, refers to as the implicate order or the unfolding. And it's like, okay, I chose this. I take responsibility for my decisions and for being here. I'm not fascinated with being outside of my body as much. I'm not fascinated with the possibility of, you know, extraterrestrial relationships. I want to be here. And that's taken me 40 some odd years to actually say, I want to be here. Now let's play because for so long I wanted to be elsewhere. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I mean, I, I guess what it makes me kind of think about kind of going back to my question, I would agree with you. It's like the work is never really done, but it, it feels like that there, there kind of are layers. So, and correct me if I'm wrong, and maybe you haven't mastered all of the layers of the flesh, but if, if you have a person that say, like yourself, gave up the addiction, right? So alcohol isn't an issue right now. It sounds like the physical body is, is well taken care of, is well nourished, is at a healthy weight, mm -hmm. who have fixed whatever the relationship love thing is. And it sounds like your marriage is stable and that's in no. order. And then you might've even mastered the financial piece, right? So I kind of look at those as like a level of consciousness that can be, though all those things can be very distracting, right? But if a person keeps working and working and working and you can kind of master those levels of the physical, then I see like some people like you and other people that I have interviewed and other teachers of mine, that's where it does appear like that they have arrived. And then there's a deeper understanding of the work is now of service, of kind of being in the Tao or in the flow, and how to stay in that energy even when other stuff comes. So it's kind of like there's always something to master per se. But I feel like if if you can help people get through the stickier, lower, denser energies of the flesh, then it's almost like, you know, when I've heard people say, when you get your black belt, like then it starts. <laughs> yes. So you know if you can conquer some of these other things that can distract people from really relishing more in maybe the spiritual path, even though that's a part of the path, you know, I kind of feel that it's been like the thick part of the woods, you know, and then eventually you get to a clearing and an opening, and then it feels like a little bit easier to walk in the woods and more appreciation. So I do, I don't know if, if you've experienced that yourself, that, you know, even though you're not battling, say, addiction anymore, relationship failure, or your body weight, or this or that, that there's still, you're still working, but it's also at a different awareness, a different level. Got it? That's exactly it. It's the awareness. You know, it's, it's not that those predilections have fully gone away. And I would carry around a lot of shame, right? And like feeling a tendency, like, Oh, what would it be like if I had sex with this person, even though I'm, you know, in a, in a beautiful, like transcendental marriage or wow, why do I have three of the same shirts in my closet? Right. And I noticed that when I was doing some spring cleaning last year, these, these tendencies for me haven't fully gone away. What has changed is my level of awareness and now, rather than, and, and I don't want this to be a crude example, but where, what I understood, like how I would use sex as a way to try and connect with people, you know, for a certain period of my life. And then I had a level of awareness around why I would do that. Right. And then that's the closest thing I could have to a divine experience at the time. And that's what I was really trying to connect. And that tendency hasn't gone away, but the awareness has, but the opposite of that is while I was working on my own consciousness is that I put those aspects of myself 
way over here. Like that's not for my highest good. I want nothing to do with it. And so then I'm also denying my desire or soul quality of what's like to really connect with people and to have that level of relationship and connection with someone on an energetic level and physical level. And I've brought that aspect of myself back in as well and careful because Meredith is you know, likely going to listen to this, my wife. And it's that I don't need to have intercourse with someone to feel that level of connection, like at a soul level and just where you get the, all the feels, right? Like, but having awareness around it has allowed for me to bring in some of these things that make me, me and really wanted to connect and hugging people and, and just living life and enjoying and feeling, but more so from the middle path. Right. And it's not too far to the left, like I used to be, or too far to the right where I would deny it and feel shame for even having those thoughts mm. or too far up or too far down. You know, there's beauty that I've come to understand and realize and being and living and operating from this middle path. And so that's the, the settling, if you will, of my soul qualities and reconciling that with myself is noticing we go, there goes that version of Chris being that version of Chris again, <laughs> and just coming back and just feeling that in my body and not always acting or reacting a certain way. So not too far left, not too far right, up or down or big and small, you know, it's right here in the middle. And that comes with us beginning to understand our true nature and remember who we really are. Yeah. And that awareness piece is so huge too. Like you said, you know, just kind of that saying, it's like, when you see it, you can't unsee it. Or when you have that awareness, it's so hard to be able to go back because you know, or if you do know, and you're still doing it with the awareness, it's like, just feels resistance and so out of alignment. So awareness, although it's so subtle, it's so powerful. <laughs> it is. Meredith and I were just talking the other night. I'm like, gosh, what if we just swallowed the blue pill again? Right. And we just went back to sleep. Like life would be so much easier. You know, mm-hmm. it was without all this awareness and consciousness. And, you know, it was a fun, it was a fun exercise to go through. But now our dialogue at night, April, is we've spent a lot of time as a family over the past couple of weeks talking about values which has been beautiful with our 15 year old son. And what's important is he's, he's pretty, even though he talks about, you know, his, his mom and dad or, you know, mom and Chris or whatever he's calling us that day. He's like, Oh, you're a bunch of witches. You don't like that hippie stuff in our house. And you know, then we're walking back from dinner the other night and he's talking about angels and he's like, he's like, Chris, he's like, I think that angels are actually multidimensional beings. And this is, and I was like, okay, there's my guy, right? This is why we're all together. And, you know, but he's, you know, like many kids and particularly kids in California are, you know, working through their own identification issues and which category am I, or how do I explain myself? Am I cis this or am I, I mean, there's, it's dizzying. I don't know how these kids I don't know how he keeps track of it. He's, he's over it. And it's different here in Southern California and particularly in Santa Monica than it is in like, as Bill Maher was talking about the other day, Youngstown, Ohio, right? It's, it's here. We can't go to a dinner party without someone talking about their kid being trans. And we're working through this with our own son and then his not necessarily knowing what to do. Where was I going with this? It's, you know, the, the exercise around values and what's important to you and helping him remember who he is or without talking about soul qualities, but like what's important to you and how do we help you construct this life around this now that we're clear on our values, certainly between Meredith and myself, the conversation at night isn't necessarily because we had so much fun drinking wine when we first met and just getting hammered and doing all the things that it was, it was a fun way to explore, you know, that part of our relationship. Now at night we ask each other, okay, so Chris, where did you betray yourself today? And that's a really powerful question. If you're able and willing 
to be vulnerable. Um, I won't use the A word, but to be vulnerable and honest and introspective with yourself. And that doesn't mean that I blew my coffee budget today, so I need to come clean on getting an extra shot of espresso, you know, in, you know, from Bluestone. And it's, well, where was I not aligned with my core value today? And that's not just amplifying our own relationship, right? And taking it to an, in a different level, but that's also opened up more of a relationship with myself and a way to hold myself accountable and check in on who and what I'm responsible to and for. Yeah. Beautiful. What a beautiful takeaway question for everyone to have. That's pretty deep and intense. And even if you don't have a partner to ask that to, great way to like end your day to ask yourself that, you know? Mm -hmm. so, yeah. Or just slack me, right? Ask yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, yeah. right. we're coming close to the end of our show. So why don't you let people know how they wow. can, I know time flies when you're having fun. How can uh, people get a hold of you? And I also saw on your website too, that you do like these sacred ceremonies. So does that involve the plant medicine or is that just more yeah. of a retreat? Okay. Yeah, you know, it does. And, and, and that varies, right? So, you know, here in LA, there's no shortage of people that do that type of work. The challenge that I've noticed in talking to others is that there's not a lot of work on the integration side. And the work that I've done with, you know, my friend Sleepy Eye, when we do teepee ceremonies together, is that the ceremony starts the minute you walk out of the teepee. And building community around, okay, so I had this experience. Now, what do I do with that? And that's a space in which I really like to play. So it's almost like you get PTSD from perhaps not having a proper medicine ceremony. What do you do with these experiences that you've had? We do quarterly TP ceremonies, do monthly ceremonies around here using other modalities. And oftentimes it's different for different people. So if I have six or seven people show up or if Meredith and I are doing something together for couples, it's intuitively led. And, you know, I'm not prescribed to like, okay, you're going to get ketamine and everybody's going to get ketamine. It's just kind of tapping in and getting a sense for where everybody is, getting a feel for the group and trusting that the intelligence and the information that's coming in is what's for their highest good. And profound, beautiful experiences that we've had in our community and helping people with these significant shifts. It's such a privilege and a responsibility to be able to do this type of work with folks. So we do them quarterly. Usually they're somewhere in Southern California, but then here, you know, in our backyard, not literally, but here in Santa Monica, we'll do things once a month and we pull together groups of five or six. It is incredible, the breakthroughs, and then seeing these folks because they become friends and part of our community and how they've taken these really subtle shifts and where they're beginning to operate now. And oftentimes I do this work without planned medicine, right? It's just whatever shows up is how we're going to operate. And sometimes it's even a placebo sort of effect or something light. And I was working with a friend's mother two weekends ago and she's 66, 67. She came in from Brazil and as we're sitting there, she's like, I just want help. Like whatever is like, okay. So we sat and we meditated for a few minutes and we did hape, which is the, it's, it's like snuff, if you will. And so here we have the 66, 67 year old woman with her son. She doesn't speak English and yet spirit speaks. And within a 15 to 20 minute session, and she had this profound experience on what is her role really in her own family and being a caretaker and this level of self-importance that she's taking on and actually letting her own health slip. I didn't know these things coming into it, but afterwards, and I talked to her son yesterday and she's like, Chris, she still talks about this because we've been trying to get her to see things a certain way for years, but she needed to have that experience and get there on her own. And now she can take action. Right. And that's the, the beauty of this is 
I love being able to serve in that way. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Awesome. Very cool. Well, just keeps getting better and better. It does. So Chris's website is chrismccan.co, right? Yes. Okay. Yep. Yeah, we'll put that in the show notes. And you also have a podcast. I want you to have an opportunity to talk about that too, since we're both podcast hosts. And <laughs> I'm sure my listeners are looking for another great podcast. So what's your podcast? Awesome. Thanks. You know, we're launching it, relaunching. I've changed it from Stump the Psychic, Soul Dive, and actually next week, Internal Affair is what's coming out and internal affair is designed to play off of this experience of where everything is an inside job right and when when did radical self-inquiry lead you to begin to create a better life for yourself and so it's not a fixed or attached to any one modality. It's just for me, I have a really interesting group of people in our community who I think their experience and how they've been able to make these subtle shifts, whether they're captains of industry, yoga instructors, whatever it might be, we're all doing the work and we're all this path together. So it's really focused on the internal affair of being human and being divine and being divinely human and leading a more meaningful life. I love it. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here and thank you all for listening. I hope you had some great takeaways. This was a really fun, just great conversation and I really, really enjoyed it. It just felt good to speak to you. And and again, we'll put everything in the show notes. So thanks again, Chris, for being here and thank you all for listening. And I will be sure to bring you another fascinating guest next week. So take care, everybody. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. If you haven't already, please subscribe and rate and review the Path 11 podcast in Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, this podcast is made possible by our sponsor, Path 11 TV. Visit path11tv.com to start a seven-day free trial and start streaming over 100 hours of exclusive video content on consciousness, healing, and life after death. That's path11tv.com and be sure to use coupon code podcast30 to take 30% off your annual membership. Start satisfying your spiritual curiosity with a membership to Path 11 TV today. Bye for now.